Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. In this episode, Logan and I are nerding out about contingency planning for events. This means having backup plans on backup plans in case something happens. So tune in to learn more. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan Clements, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mary Davidson. You want to say hi, Mary? Hello, everybody. And I think we always do intros, so I feel like if you haven't learned who we are by now, we will definitely have on the queue that we're going to do episodes that dive more into who Mary is and who I am, but... um, I want to start out with how we're kind of feeling just because it's it's summer. It's starting to get warmer here in Washington State, which is awesome. And in the event world, things are starting to open back up a little bit. So, Mary, I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling about that? Both the warm summer months coming and maybe professionally as things open back up. Yeah, well, I'm like super excited for summer, especially here in Washington State. Summer's like our our pretty time. And so any any chance I can get to go outside, I'm looking forward to it. But as far as events go, it just feels differently. I don't know. Like there's something in the air. Like it feels like in the event industry, at least here, there's like hope. Maybe it's hope. I don't know. It sounds cheesy, but I just feel like things are getting more back to normal um, and in-person events are kind of starting again. And so I don't know. That's That's kind of what I've noticed and I'm excited about it. What about you? Oh, I'm with you. We mind linked on that. I literally, when you're like, what's in the air? I'm like, optimism. (laughs) Optimism's in the air. I'm with you when it's warm out. It's so nice. Just this is the best time of the year for weather in Washington state. It's like not too hot, not too cold, um, just kind of perfect out. And yeah, as things start to open back up, I think the best way I've heard it described is that it's not going to be like a light switch. It's going to be a gradual dial. And so I think all of us that have been working in purely virtual world this whole time, even a tiny notch up on that dial to like having a couple people in person or doing a really small in-person event um, is pretty exciting. I know I have my first in-person event booked and it's going to be with super strict COVID protocols. So it's going to look nothing like what I was doing pre-COVID, but I'm just excited to physically be in the same space, uh, even if it's going to be under lots of layers of PPE and (laughs) from very far distances. So I'm with you, Mary. I think hope and optimism is, is a good way to kind of sum up how we're feeling right now. Yeah, definitely. Good things ahead for sure. So one of the reasons that we wanted to choose this topic, it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's like a doomsday topic, but maybe, maybe it is. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit, but it's about contingency plans and event planning. And so how to actually have one and what it means and how to kind of protect yourself from all of the potential things that might happen um, and prepare for all the what ifs. It sounds like a heavy topic and it is kind of like you could go down this big road of like, well, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if this happens? And I think there's a, there's a level that it's important to address. um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that, I guess. So we'll go ahead and dive right into our discussion. Logan, you want to take it away? Yeah, I think, before we say, I, again, it's like I'm with you, Mary, that it sounds doomsday, but I also think 
having a contingency plan, a backup plan, a plan B, a plan C, whatever you call it, is actually like a positive thing. Um, it's again, just showing that you're prepared because if you're someone who just made it through 2020 and you didn't learn the lesson that things are going to just not go according to plan, then I don't know what you were doing in 2020. But um, yeah, I think it's really important that we talk about, we'll, we'll, and we'll dive into it now, I guess, what are contingency plans? But before we do, just if you're wondering if this episode's for you or not, but if you are someone who is planning on hosting, you're planning on planning an event, um, and even sometimes if you're going to an event, it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan, a contingency plan for any of the what ifs. And we're not trying to create anybody, cause anybody to be a you know, nervous Nelly and worried about all the bad things happening. But it's actually to give you that peace of mind when you're actually in your event that you know everything's going to be okay because you have a backup plan. And I think Mary might have jumped ahead of it because it's literally is what is contingency plans. And I think I just defined it right there. But it's literally having a backup plan, having a plan B for as many aspects of your event as possible so that you have that confidence that should something not go according to plan, you already have the plan itself in place, the processes of how to get there set up so that when it happens, you're prepared and you're able to react and sometimes be proactive. What are contingency plans to you, Mary? The, the same thing. And the only thing that I would add is that they need to be part of your planning process. Like, because I've noticed sometimes when I'm doing events, they will get, it'll get put on the back burner. And then like, sometimes we'll be in a situation where I'm like, you know, it's a few days before and I'm like, ah, we got to make those contingency plans right now. And so just don't forget about them. Um, to some extent, just make sure you have some things locked and loaded in case something does happen. So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Same definition. Yeah. And so like talking about what, do that what does that look like in person or virtual, um, Mary, I'll take the virtual side of things if you want to think through the in-person, but for virtual, what does a contingency plan looks like, look like? A contingency plan looks like if your Zoom crashes or your internet crashes and you were supposed to be the one who started the Zoom call and led the Zoom call. So what would that contingency plan look like? Having somebody else on your team or a friend or whoever it is that depending on the event you're doing. You have this, another person who is armed with the login information and is able to log into the Zoom account and start it no problem if your internet went out. Or if you're a speaker at an event at a virtual event, it's having your phone also dialed in. So if your internet on your computer goes out, virtual events, it's a lot of internet backup plans. <laughs> but my biggest thing with virtual event is you should just test. Test whatever it is you actually want to do. You want to send a poll in your Zoom, during your Zoom meeting, practice sending the actual poll, hitting start poll and send it. If you're live streaming to YouTube, actually live stream to YouTube and maybe pick a time of day. If you're someone who has lots of followers, pick a really late time at night where no one's going to notice if you actually start streaming and delete it later. But actually go through the steps versus just talking about hypothetical plans. Like Mary mentioned, starting early is helpful, but you need to actually execute whatever it is you're thinking and start to realize where things could break and where things could not go according to plan, whose internet could go out, whose computer could lose power, whose... Again, we had an event where the servers that hosted the, the website that our event was on, the servers lived in New Jersey and their warehouse caught on fire. I can't control that. My client couldn't control that. Our entire production team couldn't have controlled it. But it happened. And it was one of those where we had kind of a plan in place, but we hadn't really that one scenario of servers on fire had not crossed my brain. So we had it took some time to react and problem solve. But you want to think through every part of your event virtually and all the parts where things could 
connections could be lost, power could run out, and how you would react to that. Because once you have that plan in place, whether it's just throwing up a slide while your speaker redials in, now you actually have a plan if that happens and your speaker would know what's going on, you know what's going on versus that confusion in the moment. Mary, how about for in-person events? What does contingency plans look like for in-person? Yeah, for in-person, I mean, I, I think the idea is similar, but when I first think of it, I think of like your your talent or somebody who's supposed to be part of the program doesn't show up on time. So then it's like, well, what do you, what do, you do? Somebody needs to fill in. You need to have like a host or an MC who can ad lib and work on their feet. But when I really think about what I actually do for contingency plans for in-person events, it has more to do with safety for sure. So it's more like, so yeah, if the program gets delayed and someone doesn't come, that's unfortunate. But like the bigger issue to me is like safety issues. <laughs> that is much more detrimental. And so my contingency plans usually have to do with like hiring security or um, making sure I know like the, the fire codes and the exits and entries and where we would route guests if heaven forbid something happened. Um, that those types of situations or making sure I have like as I'm walking around like the numbers on hand that I might need in case I need to call someone to help. I'm not talking like 911, obviously, but like <laughs> other phone numbers that might be helpful to have. Um, so yeah, I would say that those are the biggest ones. Oh, something else at most events. Um, I try to have somebody who's like a medical professional there. A lot of times there is kind of going to be already someone there who has those credentials, but just kind of ensuring that actually like really, really helps me a lot. Just knowing somebody else is there, I could call them like if something happened. So there's a lot more, but I would say that those are the big ones that I kind of focus on when I do an in-person event. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think another one to add in there that maybe again would help our audience who's maybe not as much in the weeds on this would even just be like how... If you're planning your wedding and it's outdoors, what will you do when it rains or if it rains? Because you can't control the weather. And I think, yeah, Mary and I have both been at events where, you know, you bank on it being nice, but you probably have a backup plan of tents you can put up or something. You know, you need to think through that there are things that happen that are outside of your control. And what are you going to do if that happens? So same, another example, yeah, it would be just weather plans. And that would be rain. I think that could also be cold. I've talked about that on this podcast before. Um, and making sure that you're starting to think through some of those those scenarios. Um, even yeah. the very famous, uh, what was it? Fire, fire Festival that there's the Hulu documentary on. Uh, they're a great example of a lot of things not happening and not having very having, I guess, if any, I don't even know if they had any contingency plans in place. Um, but yeah, I think it's just thinking through and having those backup plans. Yeah. And just adding to that. So make sure that when you're making these backup plans that they're a line item on your budget because it, it does cost money sometimes to have a backup plan. So it's like, if you're going to rent those tents in case it rains, or if you're going to rent some extra heaters in case it's cold, you might not actually need them. So if you're looking at it that way, it's like, well, that's a waste of money, but it's actually really not because if you do need them, it's really going to save you. So <laughs> just make sure that you're budgeting for it as well. And if you're an, if you're an event planner, event producer, if you were the event expert in that project, it is very much on you to bring these conversations up to your client or your event host and push for them, advocate, use your experience to say, okay, here are the here are the, the risks, here's my suggestions, and maybe you have a low, medium, and high option for backup plans. And then ultimately, it might not even be your decision. I think, Mary, there's multiple times where you and I have been part of projects where we're not the decision makers to say, yeah, we want to spend that extra money on this backup plan. 
But it's really important for you to say that and educate your client ahead of time so that they're educate they feel empowered to make the right decision that's the best decision for them and then if actually something happens it's not saying you get to have this i told you so moment but they at least get to know that you had called this out ahead of time and things happened and they had chosen to go with a different option that you're at least covered um and you're able to still provide that value to them and i know there's just times where i feel like when I was first getting started, I don't feel like I had that confidence all the time to say these things. And now it literally is like a checklist I run through of thinking through virtual, especially right now of, okay, let's talk through this. I'm not wishing bad juju on our stream to crash, but should our stream crash, what would you like us to be doing? Do you want us to put a slide up? Do you want us to put a message in the chat? Do you want us to pretend it didn't happen and just make keep rolling and hope the speakers keep going? What, what feels good to you as the client? Um, because if you don't talk about it and I just always, I'm like, if we don't have that plan, you're often going to regret it <laughs> because you're going to, something's going to happen. And by having plan B, you're not creating problems. You're actually creating cushion for yourself so that if problems arise, you're all prepared and on the same page. Right. Yeah. And as assuming you, you are, or maybe you work with the person who is planning the event. So if you're the event planner working with them, um, also be sure that that person who like is kind of the the main base for all the information has given at least the most important information to somebody else as well. Like that's what I think for myself, like in my contracts, I build in a contingency part of my terms and conditions. It's like, if I can't come, I'll like make every effort to make sure that I can find a replacement event planner. And so along the process as I'm doing an event, I make sure to like share a lot of things like on Google drive, like the, the timelines and things like that, which it's kind of another conversation. I know not everybody gives all access to that to their clients, but in my in my mind, I'm like, if something happened to me, I want to make sure that they have what they need. And so do kind of like making that part of your process is going to be really helpful as well. Yeah, I think that's another that's a great point. Um it's the morbid, like if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, would we still be able to go on? Like, could the yeah. show go on? And that comes from like show business too, of like the show must go on. You got to figure it out. And on Broadway shows, there's understudies and there's people who are ready to jump in when the lead is sick. The show doesn't stop. And I think that's so true with events and things like that. And it goes back to like our episode last week where we talked about what an event planner actually does is like things are going to happen during your event. And if you've already talked through it, you already know exactly kind of what your plan would be should something happen you're going to be feeling that much more calm. So it's like a gift to future you <laughs> is another mm -hmm. thing. Um, like future you will be very happy that you've taken the time to sit through and look at every element of your event, whether it's in person or virtual, and just say, okay, what happens if this doesn't go to according to plan? What happens if this speaker doesn't show up? What happens if someone can't eat the two food options that we've put out there? And like, that's something I've, sorry, the food side, we haven't had to deal with that in so long, Mary, but like, yeah. it's very normal now for caterers to have, you know, you have two options on your menu, but they probably have substitutes that for people who are vegan, gluten-free, um, paleo, I mean, they have a bunch of different options and that's like now a part of your package that they would a la carte, you know, help one or two or three people. But 10, 15 years ago, that was not normal. It was like your, you know, meat, it's chicken, beef or if you're a vegetarian, it's like you get pasta and that's really what it was. And But the <laughs> industry salad. has evolved to yeah. accommodate a contingency plan of people not telling you their dietary needs ahead of time. Like the industry has evolved. And so that's something you just need to think about through all of your 
aspects of your event. And also, like Mary said, just knowing like the medical professional, like knowing the person to call when something breaks, that could also just, that could be your contingency plan. You might not have to like know the answer, but having a list of knowing who to go to um, and whether that's an expert or you're a planner and just knowing which person on the client side you should go to if something with tickets happens. If you have questions, some, a, a guest can't figure out their ticket at your event, who is the person you're going to go talk to? Um, because again, that's a lot harder to solve in the moment and it'll be a lot harder for that guest than if you talked through that process ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking, Logan, do, not to put you on the spot, do you have any like specific examples? We've kind of pointed at some, but any like stories or examples of when you're in an event and you have utilized a contingency plan and it has been a story worth sharing? <laughs> Ooh. I yeah. put you totally on the spot. Very much on the spot, but I accept it. Um, <laughs> well, I think like um, with virtual events, I mean, it was one one of the projects we worked together, it was a live stream that was supposed to be embedded on this event platform. And we were not pushing the stream to the platform itself. We were actually streaming to YouTube and then had embedded the video in the platform. And turns out in the tests, it had turned out it worked fine on the computers we tested it on. And then the event day, it didn't work out. So the it said stream is unavailable to everybody looking on the platform. But because we were already, our contingency plan wasn't relying on the platform, it was relying on this backup stream or on the YouTube stream, we were able to quickly drop that link in the chat. And there was a couple minutes delay, but we were able to migrate everybody to watch that session on YouTube just by dropping that link directly in the chat. And so that was one where I think that's taught me a lot about having even more complex contingency plans um, for that. And But that was, a, that was a situation where we did kind of have backups in place and we were then able to adjust. Luckily, we had a backup Vimeo account on standby and we were able to migrate all of our live streams for the rest of the day from YouTube to Vimeo and use those on the platform because we knew those worked because um, we realized it was a YouTube issue. And so then we were able to continue and only the people who went to that first session kind of noticed that anything happened, which is a great happy ending to a story that could have ended up really a lot worse if we had just been relying on streaming to that platform. So that's more of a last couple months example of a contingency plan. Um, but it's one that I, I keep on the top of my, it's like top of mind for me now forever when I'm working with virtual event platforms of talking through what happens um, when anything breaks. And that example where I said, talked about earlier about the servers in New Jersey catching fire, I now honestly like add it to my list of questions that I ask any virtual event platform when I'm on a sales call with them. I talk about their servers. I ask about where they're hosted. I ask about how much, how, how often they have outages because it's happened. And I want to know what their process is. Should that happen? Who do, we, what are their contingency plans? Because the internet, you know, things happen. Sites crash, Google crashes. Like I know it happens, but what's their contingency plan? So I know that with my client and my team, if something happened, how would we handle that? So kind of answers your question. What about for you, Mary? Like, is there an example that you can think of in person or virtual where you've had a contingency plan that's worked out for you or not so much and you've learned <laughs> from it? <laughs> Oh, yeah, there definitely is. I Luckily, I had time to think about this while you were <laughs> giving your example. So thank you. Um, yeah, I there was an in-person event that I did when I was uh, with my previous employer, and it was an outdoor event in October in Washington, which is just kind of asking for rain. But uh, that's okay. So we the contingency plans, we talked about weather earlier in this podcast, like they had a lot to do with that. And so what we ended up doing, it was an event 
um, with vendors. And so each vendor had an outdoor booth and we had to rent tent walls for each of the booths. Even if it didn't rain, we put them up anyway in case it did and it ended up raining. So it was a good thing that we did. Um, but then also something else about that event, that event was very logistical. So like talk about contingency plans that were just like a lot for that one. Um, so another one was that at a previous year at this event, we had kind of a security issue. And so the following year, I, I hired security. I, I called this out earlier. I, I truly love hiring security for events. And so we had three uniformed security officers and three um, in plain clothes. And the uniform ones looked like they were like full-on SWAT team members. Like they came in uniform and it was pretty intense, but they did a great job. And I would just say that was, we didn't need to use them that year. Like, thank goodness. And I don't know if it was just because of their presence or whatever it may be. I was just grateful to have them. And I felt like that that helped a lot. So that's just one example. Yeah, no, I love, I think those are all great ones. I mean, I think even on a smaller scale, it's like uh, Seattle, we're known for our rain in our Pacific Northwest in general. And the number of, I want to say they're hotels around downtown Seattle that have umbrellas by the door. Mm -hmm. And it is their version of a contingency plan for guests to be able to utilize. And some of those guests probably walk home and or get on their plane or drive away and never give that umbrella back. <laughs> but others you know, we'll use that just as when they go in and out of the hotel to sightsee, but that's the hotel's form of contingency planning to make sure that guests are still able to get around and see things no matter what the weather's like, which I feel like it's a very small example, but. Um, yeah. Well, I love that. And it just makes me think of like, we've talked about this. I think this is like Logan's phrase that we've used in other, other podcasts, but um, contingency plans. And like you just talked about with the hotel and the umbrellas, it gives you an opportunity to really surprise and delight the guests or your clients. So it's not just doomsday. It's really this preparation that makes the event better as a whole. And, and it makes people pleasantly surprised, right? Because if something goes wrong and you're prepared, it's like, wow, well, like just such a breath of fresh air. Thank goodness we involved you in our event. Like, so, so why not? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, surprise and delight is such a great way, but it is, it's a little, it, we should have talked to probably at the top of this, but like who benefits from contingency plans? Cause you're right. It's a lot of doomsday of like, oh no, what's going wrong. And you feel like chicken little, the sky's falling, like all the bad things, but who benefits from you having good contingency plans? You do. You as the event host actually benefit because you're going to give your guests a positive experience no matter what happens. Because a lot of times it's also, I've always joked that people will remember They'll remember things that go wrong. They probably won't remember all of them, but they will remember how you react to it. So we also talk with virtual speakers of like, if your internet blips, like, or you freeze all of a sudden you come back, just play it off and keep rolling. And people are going to be pretty forgiving versus if you, they blip and all of a sudden now they're really mad and upset and feel awkward. And like that energy is going to get transferred to your audience. So thinking through like your audience will benefit from your good contingency planning. Um, I used to say, and this, Mary, I haven't thought about this in a really long time, but um, as an event planner, one of the big things for hosts, anybody who was having an event that involved alcohol, um, I said that a lot of guests, they will always remember if you have super long lines for food or drink or if you ran out of anything. They will always remember that. They might not be able to tell you what they had, what they ate, or what they drank, but they'll know if you ran out. And so – um, I think that's always so funny just thinking about, again, how your attendee, how your guest thinks, um, where that kind of contingency planning, it's either good to know 
you know, over order and know with your vendor that you bought it from, you could return anything you guys don't drink or eat or have a backup plan of someone who's going to run to Costco and grab you some extra snacks <laughs> if something happens. Um, but like knowing what are those big impressions on people that they're going to remember um, and make sure that you're, you have backup plans that are going to help accommodate that. Yeah, definitely. And insert better events pun here. Contingency plans literally help you create, host, and attend better events. This is for Ew. real. <laughs> They do. Shout out to the podcast. (laughs) They do. It's so good. And it's like, and you know, we talked about some of it is having a conversation with your client or your host, but you can also as a planner or as a vendor, if you're an event vendor, you can have your own contingency plans. Like Mary said, even just having somebody else on your team who knows everything about this event. So if you got sick or something happened, you know, family member, you needed to go and do something like someone else could step in and do it. That's a great contingency to plan. And that's something then your client's not even going to feel the impact of what could have been a pretty bad situation um, if you just didn't show up one day for your event because you you didn't have a backup plan. So I think it's really nice because, again, the people who benefit from it, it's really worth it. But I think it does make us wonder, Mary, like how far do we go with contingency planning? Is Can you go too far <laughs> is the question. I mean, don't like be fearful of your event. Be excited and happy know that you put in the best work that you can I think that's the thing just go as far as you feel like is your best work maybe I don't know maybe that might be too far for some really people who are extra but <laughs> that's probably what I would say well and I think too like to our you know it was our second episode of this podcast talking about your your why and knowing your reasons like whatever your why is and your main goals for your event making sure you're covered on those things and then everything else you know, maybe trickle down. Like I, I, when I do events, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a whole backup staff that I'm paying just to like wait in the wings in case somebody can't make it. That's not what I'm doing. I don't do that, but I would make sure I'm fully staffed and I have another person or two in my head that I could call should something happen. But like that, I think is the the lines you can draw. And again, depending on your budget and what event you're doing, certain things are going to feel reasonable and some things are going to be unreasonable. But like for me, bare minimum of a virtual event is having a backup to wherever you're streaming or hosting. So if you have a Zoom account, making sure somebody else has access to your Zoom account or they've created a backup Zoom link for some reason, if your link doesn't work, well, you can move over to another Zoom link because that's the same as like your virtual, that's the same as your in, your venue in an in-person event, just like being closed. <laughs> if your venue's closed, you can't even host your event. You're, you're kind of like really cut off at the knees there. So that's something you want to for sure have a contingency plan for. Having five keynote speakers in the wings in case your main keynote speaker can't make it, you know, not so much, but. Yeah. And if this is like overwhelming to anyone, if you're like, okay, well, I like this idea, but like, where do I actually get started? Just go through your event, I would say. And think about all, all the aspects. I mean, you're, you're doing that anyway. So just take a moment where you sit down and dedicate time to think through every aspect and then just ask yourself, okay, so if that doesn't work, what am I going to do? And sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, if, if some little pieces don't work out, that's okay. But the big things, just make sure as you go down your list that you're having a plan for those. So hopefully that's more manageable in case you're feeling overwhelmed right now. It's definitely a manageable task. Yes. And I feel like some common questions, it's like, who's going to decide when we start is a question. If it's in person or virtual or like when the doors are open in person or virtually, what happens if somebody can't log on or their ticket has an issue? I mean, there's some common questions that you can ask. And if your head's spinning, feel free to send us an email, thebettereventspod at gmail.com. We're happy to 
I don't want to say I like contingency planning. I'm just someone who's learned it's so important. <laughs> so I'm a big advocate for it, um, but we're happy to help answer any questions. Um, and I think just looking back on everything we've talked about, we've hopefully hit the nail on the head about how important contingency plans are and what a contingency plan is and who actually benefits from having them. Because I think you can get bogged down in the idea of how much time it takes to have a backup plan for all these things, how many, how much resources financially, what it would cost to have some of these backup plans. But if you can help reframe it and you can help your event host, or if you are the event host, your stakeholders reframe it as the people who benefit from it are the event hosts because you're giving your attendees a better a better event. You're giving them a better uh, experience and your attendees will ultimately benefit from it because you're going to have that contingency plan, that backup plan, that plan B to fall back on when things don't go according to plan. Um, so if we haven't convinced you yet, <laughs> I don't know what will, but um, I do have a post-it that is next to my computer right now that just says test, test, test <laughs> and test some more. Uh, because I need that visual sometimes when I clients are like, why do we have to run through this again? And I just, again, I, I you can never, I've never once complained yet that I've run through an event too many times, especially here in the virtual world. And I think, Mary, that means it's time for our uh, bonus tip. Yes, bonus tip time. Um, our bonus tip today is about a platform. It's a website actually called All Seated. And All Seated is really great. There's a free version. I think it allows you up to 10 events where you basically can just create floor plans for your event virtually. And so it ha has floor plans for most major venues. So every event that I've done it has that venue already loaded inside it. So you just search the venue and then they have, you know, like little tables and chairs. So you can make your actual floor plan. You can measure out the space. By the way, this is super helpful because it makes it so that instead of going to the venue and like getting out your tape measure, I mean, you could do that anyway, just to verify dimensions, but it'll actually measure the dimensions on their website. So it makes your job just like a billion times easier. So I would recommend all seated, check it out, especially because they've come out with some new features that I still need to explore more, but it makes it more of an immersive view kind of as you're figuring out your floor plan. So check it out and we will link it in the show notes. That is so cool, Mary. You just made me think I actually have a laser measurer that I got the idea of from a of AV vendor when we had to measure a space for this yeah, lighting installation. Yeah, AV vendors use those. Yeah. I, I got one for Christmas like three years ago because I was uh, nerding out about it. And I honestly am yeah, like so excited to break it up again. again. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't that's used awesome. it in a year and a half. Oh, gosh. But all seated sounds amazing. Definitely check it out. We'll link in the show notes. Um, and where can you find us? It would be on Instagram. You can follow us at the Better Events Pod. Send us an email at thebettereventspod at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you as our listeners. What are you loving? What do you want to hear more of? Um, this whole concept of the podcast is to just be providing value and getting to share more about our event experience, educate others on how to create better events, um, and just, again, create this kind of event community. So we appreciate you all and thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Thanks, guys.